what's going on everybody hope you are having a wonderful week so far before we get into podcast please hit subscribe please um share it with your mates as well give us some reviews it just keeps the podcast going really appreciate it podcast time i've been wanting to get this guy on for a very long time so i'm really excited that mr kyle watson is finally on the podcast i've known kyle for quite a while we've been on the dirty bird together we have played tours together well not tours shows together we've been on the same lineups um he's we catch up whenever we can and him and his wife tash um i love seeing them around and i just he's just a lovely person and an insane producer for me he sits in his own lane which is something that i feel like is the most perfect situation for any artist um and he just does his own thing and i really really respect it it's it's amazing so i'm gonna stop blabbering on and let you guys just listen to the conversation so without further ado mr carl watson mr carl watson what's cooking man mr will i'm all good in you man i'm cooking actually <laughs> to be fair yeah <laughs> i feel like i feel like we're because we're both in england we have to talk about the weather yeah this is all we do right is <laughs> it weird coming from south africa where it's like this pretty much every day for a certain time and literally like everyone is freaking out in the uk <laughs> dude it's it's kind of weird uh, like everybody in the country just goes crazy dude it's like all over the news everyone's like tinfoiling up their windows and stuff it's it's wild but like we're lying in bed i mean to be fair it is it is pretty hot yeah um but yeah we are used to this kind of heat we just like lie in bed with like no blanket Starfish on you just like a fish bro like yeah, a yeah. just lying there bearing sweating. in mind this episode is being recorded in july and it's actually coming out in september so um <laughs> if anyone's thinking that we're mad and not in the right country right now then we're just doing it well in advance how's yeah, life absolutely. man how's life yeah good dude very good um just got back from from the US yesterday, so nice. still working through a little bit of jet lag. Mm. Um, but yeah, life is good, man. How's things with you? Yeah, really good, really good. Um, just like I'm touring, I'm just like traveling every weekend rather than being based in like America. So it's quite nice to be in the UK for the whole summer. Yeah. Um, are you are you going to the US mostly, or are you are you? Uh, are you also going to Europe? Every other week. So it's like yeah. one week Europe, one week America. That's a lot of traveling. Yeah, I don't mind it though. I don't mind it. Mm. Um, I think you just kind of, well, you know how it is. You just get used to it, which we're lucky that, we, that we're that traveling a lot. So yeah, it's been good though. It's um, yeah. It's been nice to just like be home and spend time with my family, really. It's like, don't really get it's to important. see them. Yeah, man. Don't really get to see them. How's, uh, how's, how's, how's the move to England been? It's been good, man. Um, it was a, it was almost a year ago that we moved over here. Um, it, I'm definitely glad that we did it um, mm. for sure. Like just even if for just one reason to uh, to be closer to like the states, which is where I'm, I like tour the most. Yeah. Um, like you you said, now nah, you were traveling like backwards and forwards pretty much every other weekend. Mm. 
like for me, it hasn't been as bad, but um, you know, it has been like a lot of traveling. And when when I lived in South Africa, it was just a nightmare. Yeah. To uh, we we were ba- you could either take like a sixteen hour long flight like to Atlanta and then connect somewhere, or um, you could go via somewhere. And like London was is like the most obvious option. So yeah. we were just going via London anyway. So what we've done is we've actually just managed to cut out like half the mm. travel time. Um, so it's kind of like it's made it e- way easier to. It's made it way easier to get um or to take shows like to, to just do a weekend yeah you know whereas before coming from south africa you would you would always have to do like two weekends to make it worth it otherwise it was just like such a um such a mission just for for like one weekend so and then you got to stay of, in hotels for the week and it's like it, it's more expensive yeah it's, it's rough yeah you gotta work you gotta work out like what city you're staying in mm. because some cities obviously are like insanely expensive yeah. to to spend like off days in um and then you may as well just like get a flight back home yeah uh, and go back out <laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it what like cuz the the expenses of being a dj is although we're lucky enough that we can earn good money but even mm. like starting out now as a, as an artist must be tough 100% dude like it's actually kind of crazy when you look at everything like from the top down and you you see like the you'll get like the offers for the shows or whatever and it's x and then you know for me like also and i and maybe for you i guess like withholding tax yeah. you know because like, i'm not a, i'm not like a, a citizen of the country so yeah. i get taxed like at a very high rate so mm. you've got to like smash that off straight away 30%. you've got to like all of the fees you know like uh the commissions and stuff mm. plus then obviously the money that it takes to get there to stay over yeah. to travel like locally and everything so um it's kind of crazy like how much gets chipped away out of that mm. um, yeah it's, and also then you got the cost of everything that's gone up massively mm, and flights, it's mad now. flights are ridiculous it's, flights are, flights are crazy now man mm. it's like so you have to you have to really like allocate so much more of the of Budget. like the fee to that yeah. it's actually wild right now but then mad. then fees aren't really going up no, not really. Uh, not to not to match the yeah. Everyone everyone put all of their all of their charges up except uh, and and the DJ fees didn't go up. Yeah, just stay the same. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have it good though. We have it pretty yeah. good. Like yeah, no, we do. We I mean, like, dude, it's it's like <laughs> I always say to everyone that it it does beat like for me at least like sitting in the same place, you know, five mm. days a week going to the same place like doing the same thing mm. like there's it's always different you know like this yeah. career yeah um, this yeah. industry it's always different there's always different people to meet it's always you know different places to play um things to see food yeah. to eat like it's just you know it's really lucky that we get to actually do this because mm. you you worked for a long time still didn't you whilst touring mm, you're yeah, like one of the uh, only people that i know that like carried on working which i really respect and i i think there's what was the reason behind that or like, like why, I guess? So, I mean, I mean, you know, financial stability was just nice to have like that, mm. you know, monthly um, income guaranteed income coming yeah. in. Um, and also like what I was talking about earlier, you know, the fact that we were living in South Africa and I wasn't like coming in and out for, yeah. you know, the, the, the opportunities where you could just, you know, come in for a show or two shows mm. and go back home. I wasn't doing that right. So, so we were always organizing trips that were a bit longer and more spaced out. So, like from a from like a cash flow perspective, um, it was a little tricky. You know, to, yeah. it would be would have been it would have been a little tricky to just rely on only touring income. You know, mm. like life would have changed a lot. Um, 
And also like, secondly, I, I have always said, like when I get asked that question, that like in this industry, 100%, you need to have like a plan B. Uh, mm. And the biggest like example of that was COVID. Um, yeah. You know, like I actually built a career around video editing and motion design and stuff before actually, you know, building a career in music. Yeah. So I had like all those years of experience to, um, you know, in the industry to, to, to make money while the world was closed down, you know, like in South Africa, everything shut down. I yeah. mean, like the clubs closed, um, a lot of them didn't reopen. So like the industry's taking a big knock, but the clubs closed, um, the U S closed, my visa ran out like right when COVID hit. So I couldn't get another like O one to come to the, yeah. to the U S until they opened their embassies, mm. which like, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even go overseas to make money. Yeah. Um, I ended up actually only being able to get a visa when I came over to London, like I had to move over here and actually go to the embassy here to get yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was why I always kind of kept that going. The, the only time that I've kind of like really been doing music 100% full time is actually since landing here. Mm. How so does like, that feel? Since, like, probably like the last year. How does that feel? Dude, somehow, I don't even know how, man, but I feel more busy than I was when I, <laughs> when I had a job. Um, I, I don't I don't know why, dude. I, if it's the admin or something. I mean, I love the fact that I can, that I have the time to, to like work more on music and play around with different ideas yeah. and different styles and stuff. Um, you know, whereas I, I didn't really necessarily have that much time to do that. You know, mm. like w when I, when I had the job, it was almost like, I mean, it got, it got really, really hard, you know, over some periods, especially when, things got busy, you yeah. know, you were working on music or you're working like a job from like nine 30 to, I think I was working from nine 30 to three 30 or whatever. And then like jumping onto music after that, cooking dinner, you know, spending enough time, yeah. uh, you know, at home and everything like that. So it, it did become a lot, like a lot to balance. I think it's, I think it, you just get used to it though, right? It's like a routine that you just kind of get used to doing. I remember when yeah. I was, before I went full time in music, it was, yeah, I was working full time and then working at night in the studio. And you yeah. just like spend, you just do what you had to do to, to make it work. Mm. Um, you got to be careful though, because like it just, it just, it can become just the only thing that you do, which yeah. is like, you know, you don't spend enough time with the people around you and everything. So, oh, 100%. Like, got to be a balance. Yeah. Well, I think for me though, I, I don't know about you, but I still feel like at the beginning of my career, like, most people have to just lock themselves away for a couple of years just to kind of work out how to get where they need to get to. And then once, once you kind of done that, like, I, I don't know about you now, but it's weird that writing music doesn't necessarily always take a priority in my life now hmm. where it, it used to all the time. Um, yeah. Other things kind of seem to take priority and, then admin kind of takes over and just get caught up doing all the little yeah. shit. And then you're like, mm. Oh fuck, I actually need to write music. Do you get the same? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very easy. I was actually thinking about this this morning um, before we started the call about like the pressure that artists, and I know we've spoken about it as well, yeah. but like the pressure that artists put on themselves. Mm. Um, and I think like the, yeah, there, there is another balance there that needs to be struck because it's kind of it's kind of easy once you've been in the industry for a while. It's almost like there's like this arc, right? Like you 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 put the time in in the beginning to kind of figure out where you want to go, and yeah. you know, and you kind of get there. And then when you get to where you want to go or you want it to be, um, you start putting even more pressure on yourself because like you have this fear of 
you know, this fear of losing relevancy or, you know, something, you know, there's always speed bumps, right? And like, I think it's like easy to overthink that kind of stuff. So it's it's difficult. You, you don't, you mustn't like fall into that trap as an artist of, um, of worrying because, you know, then it does become, start to feel like more of a, like a job and less of a passion. Like the reason why you got into it was because you loved writing music. Uh, and then the more you kind of worry about the career side of things, the less time you end up putting in to the craft that, you know, was actually the reason why you started. Yeah. And I Um, think that's when your music can become like very formulaic and it's like, mm. you just go into the studio, do the same thing over and over again. You don't try new shit. Like it happens to me. And, and I don't know if it's happened to you, but like, I remember I, it was a couple of, about a month ago, I was talking to some a mate that's like, just like buying new gear and kind of like just experimenting. And I'm like, damn, I miss those days. Mm. I miss just like going into the studio. And I know people do this, that a, a successful artist anyway, it's just for me, like, I just don't necessarily go into the studio now and experiment and just like not come mm. out with anything. It's for me, it's like, because studio time is so sparse, like I have to come up with the goods to, yeah. because like with traveling with everything else as well, it just seems to be like the studio time is not happening as much. Do you get the same? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, dude. I think like, especially because of like me personally, because of like what my life has been over the last sort of like year and a half, it's been insane, you know, like so busy and stressful and moving house multiple times. How many times? Four, dude, four times. We literally, (laughs) we literally moved in a year. Well, like three, we lived in four different houses. We moved three times. It's like, or twice. It was crazy. Um, But yeah, because of all of that, it it was like, I did get that feeling where it was like, okay, well, I'm going to sit down in the, in the studio and actually just like, you know, write. Um, And and something good has to come out, you know, I have to have this, this finished product at the end. And it's, it's kind of interesting now that you say that it makes me think about like my music that I wrote in lockdown versus my music that I've been writing out of lockdown. There's definitely like a, there's definitely like a difference that I can see from like an artist's perspective. Mm. Um, in the sense that like there was, you know, there was pressure on, there was no pressure during lockdown and then there was more pressure yeah. um, once, once everything opened up. So it's actually kind of interesting. I had a bit of an epiphany now, um, but yeah, I mean, what's, I the, think what's the difference? What are the differences? I don't know. I feel like maybe I was, maybe, maybe I was taking more risks in, in lockdown. lockdown. I was, yeah. I was taking it less seriously and I was just mm. like, kind of like anything goes. And I think it's important to, to really keep that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because I think for me during lockdown I was writing records that I knew weren't really club records. I was releasing records that weren't really club records. And I was I think most people were doing that. Yeah. So they felt that pressure lifted. Mm. And I think it's weird because I had a conversation with Ryan yesterday and I've been asked to do a remix by the time it if if it does come out, it will be out. So I was asked to do a Elenium remix, which Sick, is okay. like mm-hmm. dubstep, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be out or not. So if it's out, it's out. If it's not, then you're never going to hear it, people. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, we we didn't have an argument at all. I don't disagree with what he was saying, but he was like, the remix I did was pretty much a straight up like pop 
record, pop record. Like I re- remade a dubstep record, a pop dubstep record into a pop house record. Mm-hmm. Or like more accessible record. Yeah. And he was like, the thing is, mate, is, he was like, it's just not, doesn't sound like Will Clark. Mm. And I, and I, I battle with this on a regular because I'm like, I know as an artist, you need a, you need a, a sound, right? So p- to people to pin it onto you. But then there also comes a point where it's like, how do you, how do you kind of like take risks yeah. as an artist and how, like, I don't think, uh, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? It's, a, it's so interesting actually that you say that. Um, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like that you do, you do need to create it and you have created a, a, like, you know, I'm not saying you, but artists mm. have spent the time creating, you know, the music that people expect, Yeah, you know, the type of music that people expect to hear. So it's a very fine line that you have to walk. Mm. Um, that's kind of between like, you know, ticking the boxes that you've been ticking for years mm. or months or decades or whatever, but, you know, going too far, and you know totally you know confusing people there's a yeah. very thin line um i think a lot of it comes down to like production style mm. you know um, and the choices that as a producer you're not necessarily that aware of but that people just kind of like attach to your yeah. music um i think it's important to like keep those elements running through whatever you, you produce so like i've i've taken those risks before you know i've i really enjoy you know, drum and bass and mm. electronic and flume and stuff like that. And like I was, I said, as a producer, and I'm like, it's a, it's a bit of a waste because like not necessarily a waste, but a missed, a, a missed opportunity that I'm not writing stuff like this because like, you know, yeah. I can't, like, I know that I, I can. Yeah. Um, and so like tracks like fever that I did that remix for, for Tatum, which was mm. like, a, I don't know what it was. It was like a halftime one one thirty or something BPM. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just put it out. I did a remix for Goldfish like five years ago or something. And it was like slow house, like 110 house or 105 house. Um, I just put them out, dude. You know, I think I think you just got to do it. Um, yeah. As an artist, it's like you don't want to, you don't want to feel kind of like you, you know, like you, you're trapped within the yeah. bounds of what people expect from you. I think it's really important to grow out of that. And it's interesting that we that we head this direction because lately over the last like few months I've been working on a project, mm. um, you know, sketches for a new album, and I don't really want it to be like only house music. Like yeah. I obviously want there to be really good house records on there, and I want there to be like, you know, examples of growth within yeah. like the genre and stuff for me. But I also want there to be tracks on there that that are not house but that are still Carl Watson, mm. you know? Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird because you were wondering, you were, you were asking about like, how do you still make it like a Carl Watson record? If it's not a it's like not a Carl Watson yeah, record, yeah. you know, like it's not a house record. Like if someone just heard one track or two tracks of mine, you know, two successful house records and then heard something from the album that wasn't, I mean, it would probably be like, what's this? you know, yeah, confusing, but I, I want them to be, I'm confused but that's fucking sick, you know? <laughs> exactly. And this is the thing is like, I think that's, that's the thing is if you're question, if people are questioning, I think at the end of the day is if it's, a, is it a good record? So yeah. first of all, is it a good record? Yes. 
Secondly, does it sound like Carl Watson? Maybe not. Does it sound like yeah. Will Clark? Maybe not. But it's still a good record. Uh-huh. So why it does it... To, it has to be good. It has to be good. And I think this is the thing is like... Some of my favorite records of, of artists aren't what they sound like. But it is mm. what they sound like because they made it. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like... I think it's just the confidence of the artist to just go, fuck it, here it is. And this 100%. is what I've done. Like, I'm not just a one-trick pony. Like, that's why I stopped writing music for Dirty Bird. Because I was just like put in this in this box of like Will only makes booty records, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And and hundred yeah, yeah, percent. And it's not like but I think this is the thing with maybe the the like house the electronic music industry maybe is that you just kind of have to maybe the whole industry i don't know maybe you just you just have to be put in a box we 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 will have that when we were kids like we had like our favorite artists and then they made like a album that sounded nothing like them and we're like what the fuck yeah oh they've changed yeah they're not as good as they used to be yeah what what's that about yeah, it's it, it's it, dude. It's just inherent. Like it's gonna be there. That that is gonna be there forever. Mm. Um, but a hundred percent, I think it does come down a lot to the confidence of the artist, you know, yeah. and and like the confidence they have in producing these other genres, which you know they they can still make it sound like it's it's comes from you, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I think the the opportunities shouldn't really. I mean, to be fair, it also depends where you are. I think in your career. Yeah. I think in the earlier days, while you're trying to build mm. up like a um a following and you have a clear idea of where you want to be, like I think, then you know, switching genres and stuff like that can be very confusing while yeah. you're trying to like build a fan base or like your your foundational fan base. But I think once you've built that foundational fan base, you have a big enough. Uh, like market for people to really kind of enjoy whatever you put out mm. um, and appreciate it, then, then I think it's kind of like safe to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like maybe advice to producers who are just starting out and want to, want to, you know, vary their genres. It might be like a good idea to do something under an alias, you know, while you grow and stuff. And then, um, you know, there's a chance to like kind of cross over mm. um, when the time is right. When you first started out, did you did you look at labels and be like, I need to write records that fit on these labels? Mm. I still think that sometimes. Yeah, uh, I think it's down to that. Uh, it's down to that pressure that we were talking about earlier. Mm. But hundred percent, I think personally, I think it's actually kind of good to have those goals. Like, um, I have I have a Patreon page, and I, I talk a lot about like. Uh, you know, about how new artists should like approach getting signed and stuff like that. And like, I kind of have like this, this pyramid thing where like at the top of the pyramid, it's like your, your three or whatever, like end goal labels, you know, defected or, you know, like really big labels, tool room and stuff like that. Um, And then like your second option, your third option. Mm. Um, And I think it's good to have those goals and, you know, just because of the nature of arts and stuff, you know, they do expect like a certain type of record. Like, so if you're, if you are going to aim for, I mean, I'm just using defected as an example, then you're going to need to write a defected record. Yeah. Like, you know, they're not going to just sign any old record. Yeah, so yeah. I, I do think that you, you do need to have that, but at the same time, you have to be aware, you know, that you, that other things, you know, other tracks can come out from, mm. you know, this journey to writing this, this record for defected, you yeah. might, start something and write something totally different which is fucking amazing mm. 
um, and they might fit on, on a totally different label. So it's important to just keep like the, uh, you know, the awareness of what you're writing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's, yeah, that's how I started for me is realizing, mm. oh, damn, I need to be, I think it's changed a lot actually though now. Maybe, maybe it hasn't. Maybe I'm just kind of, because I don't write for labels at all now. But mm. maybe it's like, I'm just thinking the way music gets released nowadays, you can have a record that doesn't necessarily be, have to be on a big label to do to be successful and kind of get mm. you in different places. I think the it's more so the association you're kind of paying for when you're releasing records, right, on bigger labels. Like the clout. Yeah, or the gigs, because realistically, we all, yeah. we know that none of us really make money on music unless you're making pop records. So yeah. I think the only way for us to really make money on a regular basis is to do shows. Touring, yeah. 100%, it's like 85 or 90% of yeah. my income. Yeah. Like I don't, my music income, if you, if you add it all up, it's like such a small amount is from... Music. royalties and publishing yeah. and stuff like that um and it's so sparse it's like you know you, mm. you'll you'll put out <laughs> five records in a year or something or six records in a year maybe one of them will 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 give you like a nice paycheck in a year and a half yeah you know so you really can't rely on it either um touring is pretty much the the only way but yeah i think it does help in the sense that you know, if you if you're strategic about it, and I speak with my agent about this quite often. If you're strategic, my booking agent. If you're strategic about the labels that you put uh, that you put your records out mm. on, there are opportunities that open up. You know, for for events like labels that throw events, especially successful ones. You know, yeah. that are that have like built-in followings. Um, they're very valuable for artists because mm. it puts you in front of a whole bunch of people that maybe otherwise wouldn't have seen your name. Totally. Uh, so, so it is very valuable if you think about it like that. It just depends, kind of like on how strategic you want to be about building your your brand, like mm. as an artist. Yeah, where do you sit with that? Because I feel like you sit in your own lane. Um, You'd be surprised, dude. I have I have my goals, uh, target labels, just like everyone else. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I do. Honestly, it, it's like a 50-50 for me. I do I do want to sometimes sit down in the studio and just write like whatever. Oh, yeah. I want to make a track today. Let's see what happens, um, whether it's house or not. Like I do do that. Um, but at the same time, I also do sit down and go like this label is kind of like where I want to be right now, mm. you know, um, where I want to be considered. And I do aim for some of those. So, yeah, I... I'm, where, on, I'm on both sides. So where do you want to be right now? Look, I think I think it would be <laughs> I think it would be cool to work uh, to work with Black Book. Um, yeah. We we're discussing at the moment like Chris and I, well, I've known Chris for I say I've known him, but for a long time he actually signed one of my EPs in like 2000 and I don't know, I'm going to say like 2011 or mm. something on on his label he used to own back then called Rising, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be it would be great to get a record on Black Book. We are working on something at the moment. It's yeah. uh, lots of paperwork and and red tape and stuff. Um, I won't say too much about it, but it, yeah, it's it's a track people have been asking about for a while. So we Is that really the sample trying one. 
that yeah, yeah we're yeah. really trying and so hard to get it like nailed in mm. um so hopefully hopefully we'll, we'll have good news about that soon um and it's good i mean i think like no matter what level you're on like you need to have these you need to have these goals and things yeah. that you know once you once you hit them you tick them off mm. um i think it's important dude because it's uh it drives you and it, it helps give you confidence as well especially when you when you're ticking the boxes yeah i i don't disagree with that at all i think goals are the most for me anyway and maybe not for other people but for me the most important thing to to kind of measure your success to a certain Mm. extent because i think it's very it's very easy to just look at a financial side of things on how to measure how successful you are but realistically Mm. like it goes back to what you were saying is we started out with a passion of writing music and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to make a load of money. Like there's other things that no. can make you successful and whether that's signing a, signing to a, your favorite record label or doing whatever, like it, there's lots yeah. of ways to to see that. How do you measure success? I think it's, I think it's really just different for everyone. I think it's how you feel. I mean, yeah. do you feel like you, like you're successful when you, when you go out and do you play these shows and do you feel like fulfilled? Mm playing the shows do do um do you feel like the music you write and you can be proud of yeah um i mean like going back to what you were saying earlier like you you, you don't to, to a degree like you know because of this industry because of what it is right um people are gonna measure you and i'm saying people but like you know maybe not your fans but maybe like you know promoters or potential like business opportunities and stuff yeah. they're gonna measure you by like your past achievements. Mm. So, you know, signing to like a, an important label or playing an important stage at a festival and stuff like, even if, even if as an individual, you don't really place that much importance on that, like there is going to be importance placed on it. Yeah. Um, just because of like the, the business focused nature of this industry, mm. like, and especially in the U S um, it's very like business focused and achievement focused. So like if you've played, at this X festival, then yeah. this promoter will pay attention to you. Or if you've released on this label, then this promoter might book you or yeah. something. So like it is, th- those types of things are important as much as like maybe because every, every artist is different. Like some people are quite happy to just make music and fuck it. Like if it, if it blows up, it blows up. If it doesn't, whatever, like dude, I love those people, but I can't 100, like <laughs> 100% dude. Like that, that is, that is what I was when I started out. Like I literally, I didn't have a goal I had zero goal to like mm. get to a certain, you know, stage yeah. of, you know, where I am touring, whatever. I had no, I didn't even know I wanted to become a DJ. Really? Like I literally, I didn't even really have an epiphany mm. where everyone, where, you know, everyone talks about like, ah, oh, was that this rave? And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I saw fucking Tiesto and I was like, damn, I want to be that guy. You know, yeah. like I didn't have that moment at all, dude. I was just making beats and I was like fucking having fun. That's amazing. Um, I love that. And, and this is, dude, I'm talking about like, what is it? I mean, I'm talking about like 2005, yeah. six, seven, uh, before I met my wife. Like I was just fucking, Loving I was it. just having fun, man. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of well, grew. So when you met Tash, it wasn't fun from down on. It was just like, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> then it became business. <laughs> She's no, like, no, make no. money. But no, 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 no. So when, like when I, when I met Tash, her, uh, her, uh, her brother James was in the industry. So mm. he actually got me my first signing. Oh, wow. Um, I don't even know like if I, 
if we hadn't met, I don't really know if I would have carried on. Like, mm, I, I don't that. even know what would have happened mm. with music, really, dude, because I didn't have like the targets. Yeah. Um, it all just was very organic. What did you want to do when you're old, when you were younger then? Was there anything that you were like, I really I did, want to be this I, person? I, I, I wanted to become like a mechanical engineer. I don't even know why, but I just, I think it was maybe because one of my, my older half brothers was yeah. one. But I, I did. When I when I got to college and I was more aware of like what I was good at and what I wanted to mm. do, like it was definitely art. It was like some kind of an art, you know. Yeah. Um, I always enjoyed like video editing and stuff like that, and I think that's like the crossover between the two is kind of like actually obvious when you think about it. Like the way yeah. it's made and the the way the stories are told and stuff, they're mm. very similar, uh, like skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually kind of like started on that before before making music. Mm. So um, yeah, when, when I got to college. I realized like, okay, well, maybe I want to be like a video editor or something like that. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Patreon for a bit. Mm, of course. Um, first of all, people that don't know what Patreon is, what is it? Uh, Patreon is a website where you can pay like a monthly fee and you get access to certain things. Um, so it's fucking wild. Dude. I set this up in April mm. 2020 um, when the touring fell away people had been asking for years like oh, man, like mentor me or yeah, yeah, yeah um you know give me advice on this track and what do you think of this record and stuff and like i just never had the time yeah to to give people proper advice and and, and all of that so i kind of always just kind of I, I, I didn't ever take it any further but then obviously when i had a bunch more time i was like well let's just fucking do it um so i started it up yeah in april 2020 it's been going for like two two and a bit years you started um, pretty quick yeah you started it quick out of lockdown mm. lockdown was like started in mid-march yeah i mean well 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 yeah in in the beginning of march or the end of feb mm. i think that was my like my last show yeah uh i think we were hanging we, out what was that in arizona when was that was, it was that in 2020 i don't know I think that may have been before, dude. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Uh, because the last tour that I did was in Oz. Oz, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. before. So yeah. I did the shows in Oz and we were like, we were traveling through like the, uh, was, it the was it the UAE? can't remember exactly. But um, we were traveling through airports, people were wearing masks. We were like, what's going on? Anyway, that's a different story for a different day. Um, so yeah, everything everything went to shit and I was like, let's just do, let's just do this. So basically every month there's like a, there's at least one video whether that's like a track breakdown or a studio session or a tutorial yeah. or something like that. There's always a video that I create. Uh, right now, it is like, I don't even know how many videos there are up there, 30, 33, 34, 35. Yeah. Um, there's like a Discord community. And uh, if you pay a little more, you get uh, track sessions. So like mm. what we're doing now, you would get like a video session where I would feedback on like one of your records give you advice and yeah and stuff like that have you found it it's because it's super it's a super cool concept i love the. i love i think we live in a world where i don't know about you but like i have a weird concept of asking people for money right uh-huh yeah and it's, it is kind of weird yeah and but then it's I don't know. It's kind of like, why should, why is that weird? Why is it weird to ask people for money when you're given a service? It's like everyone 
goes and gets their hair cut. Everyone goes yeah. and gets whatever. They pay for a gym. They pay tickets to see you. Um, what? Nothing's for free. Nothing's for free. I think you have to give yourself. I think you have to give yourself value as an artist, right? Yeah. Like you've literally put it decades of your life into this craft. Yeah. Like why would you give that away for free? Yeah. You know, I think at the very least you do like, you know, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month from someone who wants to learn from from. Uh, learn from you yeah i think uh you also underestimate like how how many people actually do want to share in that knowledge that yeah. you have um but like yeah I, I, it's it is weird it's a weird concept to ask for money but it's not like you're just asking for it for, for <laughs> donation no, yeah. right yeah. you're actually giving you, them a like for me yeah for me i've literally been spending since 2000 and f- 2004 5 yeah building up the skill set like you know um why would I give that knowledge out for free? Yeah. You know, I think, I think you have to place a value on yourself. No, I totally it's agree. It's just like a carpenter, dude. Like a carpenter didn't go to whatever woodworking school and practice carpentry for like 40 years to just like literally do it for free. Do it for free. Like so he's, he's going to, you're going to pay if you want your kitchen done, bro. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it though? Because we do work in an industry where like people like to not pay you. Yeah. It's like yeah. people, uh, people do want people do people want stuff for free or cheap, dude. That's just human nature. Yeah, it's like the um, awareness gigs where you're like, oh yeah, do it for do it for uh, yeah. This will this will uh, this will be good for awareness. We'll pay you in all of the awarenesses. Yeah, I've got the same glasses as you. Nice glasses, mate. Oh yeah, dude. Premium, classic, Absolutely premium. <laughs> I cooked a, I cooked a, f- a frozen uh, iced coffee in here earlier. It's you cook, you cooked a frozen iced coffee. Cooked an iced coffee, bro. Well, please tell me how this makes sense. No, it, it was it wasn't cooked at all, dude. It just <laughs> uh, it, it was brewed. Uh, okay, it was brewed at like at, at like seven. So I don't wake up early, bro. I just don't. Did I make uh, you wake up early? No, okay. no, no, no. Jet lag made me wake up early. Uh, okay. It was terrible, dude. I woke up at like I woke up before six, which is not like me, bro. I don't do that. Yeah, that's pretty early. Yeah, it's that's early, dude. Early. I mean, like to be to be fair, it's the side that people of turn that people don't see. Yeah, coming off the back of like a weekend where you have like three shows or two shows, it's ridiculous, dude. You just don't, you just can't get a normal sleep, mm. no matter like how, you know, how crazy you are or how normal you are yeah. as a person it's like you just you, you just don't get a normal sleep pattern it's impossible it gets you occasionally doesn't it it's just like bam. so i'm yeah. i'm generally okay it doesn't get me too bad but then you're like one like one day you'll be like oh fuck what's going yeah. on yeah yeah Talk- or you're just you're left to you're, you're like, let me just have a quick nap before the show and then wake up and uh, you're like <laughs> Dude, yeah, they were just like pouring eye eye drops into your eyes, dude. Napping kills me every time. But it's it's like I don't know, dude. Some people like I know we've spoken about this. Some people mm. can't nap. Like I I have to nap, dude. Do you? I have to have a nap. Yeah, I, ca- I can't. I yeah. I will, but not on purpose. Like <laughs> I like fall asleep watching something. Yeah. Um, but I think. Yeah, I just try and soldier through, which means that when I do sleep, I sleep like a mother, like just pass out for like a few hours. Yeah. Um, do you do you drink a lot of coffee? I do drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> I I drink I drink three coffees a day. That's not bad. 
it's not bad, dude. I know like people drink a lot more, yeah. but I mean, you know, coffee's not that good for you. <laughs> if I don't, if I don't have a coffee, like in the morning, I definitely feel weird. Really? Like I definitely feel a bit like crankier, a little bit slower. Yeah. You know, like my head feels a little bit full hundred percent. Like I'm somewhat addicted to caffeine. It's mad, isn't it? Because caffeine is just, a, is caffeine's a drug. And it's it so, is, it's so weird that like other drugs aren't legal, but caffeine is li- probably please don't get coffee like banned bro exactly i need it well i i don't drink coffee but i've been i wish i liked it i don't like it i'm a child don't like the it's taste. probably better that you don't like it yeah, though dude probably it's probably better but i have this obsession with coffee machines <laughs> and i really want a coffee machine but I'm never gonna use it because <laughs> they're just. I love the like the mechanics of them and how they look, and they're like beautiful pieces of furniture. And they're awesome, dude. Yeah. Especially those, especially those those big ones. Yeah, they're so cool. Yeah, I really want. Do you do you have one? Do you have a bougie one? No. Are you straight instant coffee boy? No, 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 no. I call that plastic coffee, dude. I don't drink plastic <laughs> coffee. That's only that's only desperate, dude. Like when we moved countries, I had to pack up my coffee machine and and we shipped it like months before. And I I, I drank plastic coffee for a while. A while. Um, Did it give you I'll extra you, dude, jitters? That, Do you like start getting a twitch or something? Oh yeah, just it wasn't <laughs> scratching the itch, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dude, that first coffee uh, once the machine arrived, dude so good was it amazing it was so good well, no, it's co- not a bougie coffee machine though dude it's just literally a little nespresso with the pods bro it's not like super fancy nespresso is kind of looks looks kind of cool though looks good dude yeah uh, it's fancy looking i feel like That's it's the like the high end of the low end right yeah yeah yeah. i'll go with that bro yeah i i'll like, take that dude. my parents have an espresso machine yeah it That's keeps all. me alive and that's fine i like the nespresso shops as well yeah I do. You do feel like you're very special when you go to an espresso shop. Dude. I know, right? It's, yeah. it's like going you into do. the Apple shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you I do, feel that Apple shop's special. kind of got a bit common now. It's got, it's got, uh, it's got a lot of commoners in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, the peasants at Apple, bro. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. At, at the Apple shop, it's near us. We've got a, we've got a mall and there's an Apple store in there and they have like a bouncer. Yeah, I don't know how it works, dude, but he's there. He's got like an iPad. I don't know if you have to like pre-book to go and buy a fucking iPhone or something. I don't know, dude, but there's a dude out there like checking people off as they go in. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You don't have an iPhone. You're not on Apple, are you? Uh, I'm an Android. Motherfucker. You'll change one day, mate. Are you on Apple laptop, computer? Dude, uh, everything else for me is Apple. It's weird. I mean, I just, I've always written on, on Apple for like the last like, 12 years or yeah. whatever um have a laptop mm. apple so i mean yeah everything else is apple like tash dude she said to me so many times she's like literally why do you have an android when everything else you have is apple like it would be so easy yeah you can like i can't use airdrop um you know but it's the life i chose man <laughs> <laughs> i just like to be difficult for that yeah. one but do you do you like have being out on android like what why i like it dude have you tried an iphone uh, dude, I, I mean, I haven't lived with an iPhone, but I mean, I've used Tasha's. Uh, she's been using it. She's she's had them for years. But like, I don't know, man. I just feel like Apple is uh, like iPhone just kind of like directs you where you need to go. Like Android, you can make your own decisions. <laughs> like that's what it feels like, bro. Yeah, I I think I think I agree with that. 
it's it's yeah. a closed system isn't it so it is it is but i mean i'm not i'm not dude i'm I'm quite a simple guy so if i just one day was like well fuck it let me just get an iphone i would just live with an iphone i would be fine i'm just you know, like i if i just I, use this if, to write messages anyway bro if i just if i get rich somehow i'm just gonna buy you an iphone and just be like sorry mate you gotta get an iphone now you're an iphone just <laughs> you're for, gonna call this video up and be like you said you said you would yeah but. literally <laughs> just for the blue messages the only the thing i love about i i've iphone is the integration between all the products mm. so it's like all like everything is just linked between all of them so you kind of never really lose yeah. anything it's very easy it's very just like it's just there if i want to yeah. pull up a photo from like five years ago it's there yeah yeah, yeah. it's, it's on my cool. phone too yeah but it's just not on your laptop at the same time or it's not in the cloud or if you <laughs> lose that phone it's not there no 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 i mean well yeah it can be it can be you're just def- you're just defending it and you know you're gonna lose yeah just don't make it personal bro <laughs> 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 oh dear um yeah. when you've just announced the tour yes so by the time this goes out i would have announced the tour yeah um what's on my it? machines yeah yeah it's it's cool dude it's it's the biggest uh it's the biggest tour that i've done so far sick when i say the biggest it's not the longest or like the the most dates but it is like you know conceptually the biggest so basically this was meant to happen in 2020. Mm. We were literally working on it. We were like halfway through it um, when everything closed down. It was going to be in it. It was going to be in October 2020. Yeah. Um, we did the first like tester of the event. In fact, I did the first one of these in South Africa when I lived there at my mm. home club in, uh, in in Joburg called Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, my machines. It's like a. It's a set which is only my music. You mm. know, specially curated. It's got like. Uh, it's got records that people know, but it's also got records that people don't. It's got yeah. like brand new stuff that hasn't come out. It's got edits that never came out. VIPs, um, you know, it, it's all Kyle Watson, right? Whether nice. it's a remix or an original or an edit, whatever, it's it's mine. Uh, and it's more of a, like a journey. Mm. So it kind of starts somewhere and it ends somewhere else. Yeah. Especially curated. It's going to have, um, yeah, the first one was in, in South Africa in, I don't know, five years ago, four years ago. Mm. The second, the first one in the US was in LA. Sound, New Year's Eve Sound, yeah, New Year's Eve that. 2019, 2020. Mm. Um, and it was really good, dude. It was yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> funny story about that before I go on that, that night. Uh, the support DJ had the same flash drives as me. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know how it happened, dude, but somewhere along the line, I put in only one of my flash drives and I linked four CDJs to one flash drive. Yeah. And I thought that I, I'd put two and then linked the two. Anyway, it turns out I hadn't done that, right? So road trips, dude, out of all the records, emergency loop, bang, uh, goes into emergency loop. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I literally, I don't like, fuck, okay, quickly. So I try and switch over the flash drive and I'm going through like this other flash drive. And I'm like, bro, this is not my music. <laughs> I, I don't know what any of this is. And I'm like, dude, I'm panicking. Luckily, Tash was there. She had like one of my other flash drives. She fucking like, threw it over to me, quickly plugged it in, um, got out of the emergency loop after like 40 seconds. But uh, so stressful, dude. After I that, like, like that. After that, I painted numbers on my flash drives. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, that's not going to happen again. I had that the other day where 
because I don't use a flash drive. I use a hard drive and it's just a cable. Yeah. And the DJ before me had exactly the same. I've never seen anyone use it exactly the same. I played, I didn't mix in. So I just played my intro record. Mm. And like, I was like, oh, the, there's, a, there's a really long gap between these vocals. Like there wasn't a gap be- this long before. Mm. And then I realized that the other DJ just pulled, pulled mine out instead of theirs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> At least he was still there. My my support DJ went off. So it was New Year's Eve, bro. He went off to another rave. <laughs> so we had to like, we had to like communicate to get because he took my flash. Oh, he bro. took yours. He took mine, but he thought it was his. Uh, oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that everyone has stories like so that. So good. Dude. It's yeah, funny should, when it happens should, afterwards. It's nice. Yeah, it's not funny yeah. when it happens. It's fucking yeah. terrible when it happens. It's amazing <laughs> afterwards. It's a great story afterwards. Um, you should definitely paint like something on your, yeah. on your, on your hard drive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to, back to the tour. Yeah. My machine. So we had the first one in South Africa. So you want to sound and now we're doing like a run. The rooms are, are the, are some of the biggest that we've like, that we've hard ticketed. Amazing. Um, which is like, you know, it's stressful as an artist, but yeah. I think, you know, we, we've got some really cool supports, um, on it. Um, what? Talk, yeah, talk, talk me through it. Talk me through it. I want to know. Yeah. Okay. So it's in September, October. It's, um, <clears throat> I think it's probably 10, 11 or 12 dates. Nice. Um, some of them are, some of them are smaller, but some of them are, some of them are going to be bigger. So we're doing shows like at the Midway, we're doing summit at Denver. Um, Sick. we're doing some smaller shows like monkey loft in Seattle, which will yeah. be cool. Um, I don't think I can announce one of the biggest ones yet. So I'd rather okay. not. I'll just play it yeah. safe. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. We're doing Sunbar in Tempe. Um, yeah, it's gonna be really cool, dude. So sets of two hours to two and a half hours. Nice. All all my own music, mm. journey, custom like visual loops, um, curated supports, special guests. It's gonna be awesome. Have you got support on on there as well? Yeah, I do have support. So we have a special guest chapter and verse, which is really cool. I'm cool. very happy to have him on there. I don't uh, know. Who, I don't know who that is. Who's that? Chapter and verse. Yeah, yeah. He's do, he's doing really well, dude. House artist. He's uh, yeah. He's he's been blowing up nice. recently. I need to check um, his music out. Yeah, you must check it out, dude. It's very cool stuff. Um, we got Domi. We got the Sponges. Nice. Uh, Miss Dre. Uh, I love Miss Dre. She's Kyle Kinch. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's gonna be cool, dude. It's gonna be really cool. Nice man, nice. Yeah, the ha- biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest tour, or like the, the first tour of this kind that I'm doing. So, like I said, it's stressful but exciting. What's the stress behind it? I think it's just the. I think it's just the. Uh, I mean, you're putting yourself out there, dude. Especially when you're doing big rooms that are hard ticketed. Like you've yeah. you've got to sell those tickets. You know, they got to move. Mm. Um, that's the stress, really. Yeah. I mean, there's other little mini stresses along the way, like making sure the announce goes well and. Mm you know, like making sure all that stuff and securing PR and all of that kind of stuff. Those are little speed bumps. But the main thing is just filling the rooms. I think as any artist like would tell you that's a, yeah. you know, that is like probably the biggest stress. It's tough, isn't it? Because it's like, the the rooms are big. Like a thousand people is, even with 500 people is a lot of people to try. I mean, and, it's a lot of tickets to yeah, sell. Dude. It really is. And it's, it's weird that, <clears throat> We're, we're all lucky enough that we do this on a regular and it's like 
that constant want for more. So like it, yeah. each year it's like, okay, well, we did 500 tickets here. Now we need to do 1,000 tickets. And yeah. now we need to do 2,000 tickets and blah, blah, blah. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. What do you I'm, think? What do you think that's about? I mean, growth, dude. That is just that is just what it is. Mm. I mean, I think you have to you have to want you have to always want like something a, a little bit more. Yeah. For me, at least, um, I think like wanting a little bit more is always going to be one of the like fundamental drivers between, you know, your your passion and your arts and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think anybody who wants to take this career seriously, like it, it's not really, I mean, the goal is not to work up to a 350 cap room or mm. 500 cap room and then just stay there. Yeah. I mean, you have to also be realistic. There's arcs in this industry and people, people come up and they, they go down and they come up again and they mm. go down again. Like that's just, that's just what happens. Yeah. Um, so you have to be aware of that, but you, you have to kind of, you have to kind of have a target of, okay, cool. Well, if we did 500, like, I don't really want to go back and only play another 500. Like, let's let's push it a little bit more, you yeah. know, the 750. Oh, we nailed 750, 750 people came. Let's go do 1,000, yeah. you know. Um, I think it's just, like, the natural progression. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, once again, it does come down to, like, what you want out of it, dude. If you're quite happy playing a 350 cap room forever or, you know, for the extended period of time, then just do it, dude. Yeah. I mean, like, if that's what you want, that's what you want if you really want to like take it further and then push for something more. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Highs and lows are what you were just mentioning. Um, how many lows have you been through where you're like, I, things need to change because they're mm. not where they should be at. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think around 2012, 2013, I lost a lot of direction. Yeah. Um, what, why, what was the reasoning behind losing? I think direction? it was, so dude, I was, I mean, I was, I mean, look, I was based in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and locally the scene took like a really big dip, you know, it was almost like no one really knew what they wanted. The yeah. parties were like really empty. Um, and I think when you playing like empty parties and the music's not connecting, you like start overthinking, like trying mm. so many different things to kind of like find the right direction. And I think over that period, uh, I mean, like I was putting out like kind of weird music. It just, like again formulaic you know yeah. like oh maybe like is this is working like on beatport like yeah, let yeah. me make a record like that and yeah um and it will do well uh which i think you really shouldn't do but um anyway i think that's what happened i, I lost a little bit of direction as soon as as soon as the club like as soon as the the clubs started pushing other music right so there, there was a you know as soon as like maybe a buyer came in took over a club and and pushed a certain kind of music yeah. and people started coming through again. That's when I found direction again. Mm. So it was interesting. It wasn't like, I didn't really necessarily find it through production. I found it through like the live yeah. shows, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, shows how much inspiration can come from, from a show, the yeah. performing side of things. Um, but that was, that was probably like the lowest. And then, you know, once I, once I started putting out stuff, like I'm trying to think, uh, what one of the turning points was, I mean, back to you was like really big in South Africa. And that's, I think like just inspired me a lot and helped me kind of mm. push me into sort of the, you know, the watermelons and road trips and, and that stuff that like really connected a lot with like the U S market. Like yeah, when I, yeah. when that switch happened, I wasn't really aware of how well the stuff was doing in the States. Yeah. 
or how much of a following I was building in the States while I wasn't there, stuff like road trips and, and, and uh, you know, the Dirty Bird records that I, that I put out earlier on and the, the, the same Bristol stuff. Yeah. Um, that was just connecting like crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was like the that was the switching point. And I mean, to to be honest, since then it's been it's been feeling pretty good. Like yeah. the traje- trajectory has been feeling really good. I mean, COVID was like the COVID was the hiccup. I think mm. that that might be a, a time where things went weird for a little bit. I mean, it didn't necessarily translate to like the live stuff, but yeah. you know, creatively, I think it was kind of like I said, I was making cool music, and I'm I'm like I'm really happy with what I made in lockdown, dude. Like I I play it in my sets now. Yeah. Um, and they're some of the highlights, but, uh, I think like personally, we're talking about pressure going back to that. Mm. I put a lot of pressure on myself, like at this point now, um, you know, I feel like the next step has to happen now. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is the pressure it even makes or breaks you, doesn't it? And I think you, you also have to take the risk of like, just getting on with it really. Because there's nothing you can do once those shows are announced, which they're announced now. It's like ticket sales are on, and yeah. we have to sell these shows out, or not even sell these shows out. We have to sell these shows. They've got to do well. They've yeah. got to do well, and like and and kind of grow from there. Yeah. Um. I. It's really interesting. You were saying what you were saying, where your records were kind of pushing through in the U.S. when, and you didn't even realize. It's the one thing that I've always said about your career to other people. I don't think I've even said it to you. But I think the fact that you were in South Africa and you couldn't tour in the US and you were only in the US like a couple times a year, let's just say, like very occasionally, Mm. it created like this need for Kyle Watson. Mm. And I think that is something that is really important in a career. And I think it's really like for me is like I just toured relentlessly in the States. And Mm. I don't think that necessarily helped me at the beginning of my career. At the beginning of my career, yes. But like there was a point in my career where I was just like almost a circuit DJ because I was just playing every weekend everywhere. There was always somewhere to play. Mm. And I think being away from the market is and creating a demand is so important how have you found that yeah i 100 percent agree dude 100 percent. i think it's very easy to like saturate a market yeah um by playing too often yeah um but exactly like i pretty much agree with everything you said dude when you're starting out it's important to get in front of as many people as mm. as you can but then there is a point where you have to like i said you have to be aware of it where you have to think to self okay let's be let's start being a bit more exclusive you know yeah. um a bit more harder to find uh you have to know when to make that change but i do think for me 100 percent worked in my favor because mm. for i think let's say probably like a year and a half before i actually got an agent in the states maybe a year i had people messaging me when are you coming to yeah la come to the states come to wherever wherever come to and like I never, it took me a long time before I like proactively found an agent and decided like, let's, let's do it. And I yeah. think that helped a lot because that first run that I did in the States, it was, I think we almost sold the whole run out. Yeah. Like it was, it was great, That's dude. Amazing. I mean, like, obviously there were, there were some shitty shows. Yeah. I did play some empty shows. Um, but like, 
as a whole, it was like a huge success. Mm. Um, and so creating that demand did help. And then that kind of stayed that way for the first, uh, I have to like measure it in O1s. You get this O1 visa, this for three years. <laughs> that was my, like my first O1, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, I was, I was going way less than other people. I was yeah. playing way less. Um, and so the demand was high and mm. did play into my favor. 100%. It's, it's, it is very important to balance that because, you know, unless, unless you've got like so much music coming out and like everything is a hit and everything is yeah. connecting, I think it's important to like have a bit of space between performances and stuff in certain markets. So like once again, different, like some markets are different. Um, but in general, some exclusivity is important as long as you're keeping the music going yeah. and it's, and it's connecting. Yeah, no, I, fine. I agree. I think the music is still the the main kind of driver in all of this although like unless maybe you're like more of a character and mm. kind of more of a performer person online where like you can sell tickets through your social media where people want to just see you as yes as the character which there's plenty of those around now which is a really yeah. interesting thing for me um, yeah, yeah, it changes the dynamics a little bit. Changes massively, and it changes how people. I'm not saying it's wrong. Like, I don't. I really don't give yeah. a fuck. Like, whatever works for everybody. Yeah. But it's it's interesting how the industry has changed through that as well. Where I think it was inevitable. Yeah. Why? Why? Why was it inevitable? I mean, people live online now, dude. Yeah. If you don't know what to do, you go on your phone. What do you do? Yeah. You flick through TikTok. Flick through Reels. Yeah instagram so if you're seeing someone posting like funny shits all the time mm. uh like you connect with that person yeah totally so i mean it, it's there dude it's it's one of the i think a lot of artists are not like that so i mean it, on my patreon right like i mean i obviously do sessions with a lot of people and mm. a lot of people are like i just i'm not good at like the social stuff yeah. you know um it feels like such an important part of like the like the the arc of your career yeah some people just don't dig it like mm. to be to be honest dude like i could be a thousand times better at it like uh you know i don't have like a social media team or anything like that yeah. i'm just fucking posting up my own shit you know mm -hmm. um i'm not like it's 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 a lot to think about dude because you have to like always be aware of like how are the algorithms changing i mean like as an artist i just want to fucking sit in this heat in the fucking studio while my eyebrows melt off and make beats bro yeah like I, I don't necessarily want to have to know like when Instagram is changing mm. their algorithm uh, and like, Oh, I should be doing this now or that now. Like, I don't like as an artist, you just want to, I can, yeah. you know, just want to craft your art. So it's kind of frustrating. A lot of artists don't really want that side of things or yeah. want to worry about that side of things, but it is inevitable, dude. It's a part of, it's a part of how you, build your brand now mm. it's never gonna it's never i don't think it's ever gonna be different dude like people have moved online i don't see it going backwards yeah i i feel like it's it's constantly evolving and what i mm. personally i hope that it turns into is more of like community-based things where it's a smaller amount of number of people mm. but it's way more like um direct yeah so like let's say for instead of having a hundred thousand followers you have ten thousand followers but 
all of those 10,000 people are like engaged. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I struggle with the most is like, you never know if something's going to do well. You never know if someone's going to see it. Like how many times have you played, how many times have you played a show in a city and then somebody messaged you like literally the week after going, when are you going to come to this city? All the time. It happens often, dude. And it's like, I just played there and it's been all over my socials. So it's either that person's not engaged with you or that person's just not getting the information, which we can't all be engaged with everyone at one time, right? We can't, like, I can't expect every single one of my followers followers to like or comment on my my Instagrams or worry about my Twitter or anything like that. There's better things to worry about. But there's also comes a point where it's like, if I'm playing in LA... Everybody that follows me in LA should know no. that I'm playing in LA. The, but the the companies want you to pay pay for that, you know. And even when you it's, pay for it, it doesn't work. It's terrible, dude. It's terrible. Like if you go, if you dive into your insights, you'll you'll see like the accounts reached and everything. It's like, bro, it's yeah, it's like one percent, five percent. If you're at five percent, you're you have if, like a very strong social media. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's. I don't know, man. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. You know, it should be people are people are following you or choose to follow you because they're interested. Yeah. Um. So they should see your. I mean, I'm I'm just shouting into a vacuum, dude. But I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be that way. It, it, it should be the people who follow you see your shit. Yeah. Um. I totally agree. But unfortunately, it isn't. So it's very it's very frustrating. I mean, even if you even if you can create something that's like highly engaging, um, it just doesn't get to the people. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. It's very, it's very frustrating. It's probably the most frustrating part. Um, and as, as an artist, it's, it's also like a bit of a rabbit hole um, because, you know, you can, you can follow a bunch of people and see like how much engagement they're getting and yeah. how successful their posts are getting and be like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm failing at this. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's a bit of a trap. That it's, you have to be it's careful. It's so of. weird, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah. I've, I think to be fair, lockdown helped me with that because I unfollowed a lot of people that I just really couldn't care less about. Mm. Ideally, I wouldn't follow anyone. I I sometimes wake up and be like, I have the urge to unfollow everyone. Because yeah. like for me, I like I actually like doing social media. Um, yeah, you're good at it, dude. I, en- I enjoy it and I enjoy helping people with it. Like I feel like I could like start a company to help people to do it, if you know what I mean. It, it could be an interesting concept. Yeah. But it's like, for me during lockdown i actually stopped comparing myself to others on social media mm. so when i'm saying comparing myself i mean comparing my social media to somebody else's social media mm. um and that really helped me to be like this post isn't doing well but i'm going to do another post tomorrow and it might do better it might do worse but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day people are engaging and i don't give a fuck and i yeah. think that helped me so much and sometimes i'd lie if i was if i was like that all the time but sometimes i'm like oh damn that didn't do as well as i thought or like if i'm announcing like a tour or something like that like maybe i'm like oh i wish i did a bit better but mm. i think it's easier for me now mentally to like just accept that it is what it is and and it always will be dude yeah 
I mean, you have to, you have to, what more can you do? Mm. At the end of the day, like it goes back to what I said in the beginning, Every, it, it, it's the reason why you got into this wasn't because you were good at social media or, yeah. you know, you wanted to have like fucking a hundred thousand followers or mm. something. You didn't really do it for that. Right. No. You did it because of all the shit that's sitting behind you right now. You did it for like the yeah, art, yeah. you did it for that reason and the fun. Um, so really at the end of the day, that is the most important thing mm. is you need to be feeling fulfilled and that you, uh, enjoy what you do. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're making music and performing and stuff, like you just have to enjoy the fact that that is what you do. How, how did you, just, how did you stay like grounded being in, or maybe you didn't, I don't know, but I guess this is why I'm asking you when you're in South Africa, um, and living there and you kind of saw all your peers like touring on a regular yeah. basis. Like, how was that? Yeah, it was, it was very frustrating. Yeah. Feel like you're getting left behind because everybody's getting in front of the people yeah. again and making the most of all of this initial hype of getting back, back to partying and stuff. Um, it was very, very frustrating, dude, especially because in South Africa, there was like fuck all to do. Yeah. I mean, like there were some places to play, but I mean, they were, I mean, nowhere near a proper club. Yeah. You know, the the club shows were few and far between, you know. Mm. So it's not even like I was getting local. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even playing local shows that were making me feel fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so it was very frustrating, dude. But I mean, we just, you know, my agent and I, we just, we, we worked on what was possible. You mm. know, we decided, okay, well, we can, get back to it at this day. So you just yeah. work towards it, dude. I just kind of kept the music flowing and kept writing and stuff. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, really, what else could I do? There's no real, there was no real other choice. I couldn't get to the States. I couldn't get anywhere else. So. I, I don't mean just during COVID though. I mean, just generally, because even when you were in South Africa before COVID, like you were touring, but there's people, you didn't tour as much as everybody. And yeah. because of the travel, if you know what I mean, and because of all of that, Oh, oh. I didn't really mind, dude. Yeah, this. I mean, I was I was still playing like I was touring the states like one, two weeks at a time, yeah. roughly. I mean, dude, it was different every year, but it yeah, was like yeah. two weeks at a time, once every three months or something. Yeah, like that. I mean, you know, roughly give or take extra mm. weekend or two here and there. But um, in between that, in South Africa before COVID, yeah, I was playing pretty good shows. Yeah, like there there was there was a pretty healthy scene. The music was connecting nicely with people. Mm. Like I had I had like quite good success on like the local radio stations and stuff there yeah. so the shows were cool dude i was feeling quite fulfilled from playing local stuff i remember when um, i came to play truth and yeah. with you and you're literally like the king of south <laughs> of joburg <laughs> you you fucking you killed that set dude i was uh, honestly i was so surprised because like the the market there the market there wasn't uh, like i didn't think it, it would honestly i didn't think your music would be received as well as it was yeah like, dude, fun. you killed it there. It was fucking awesome. Was I was fun. so happy. But everyone would, like, literally chance your name. Nah, yeah, that's the thing in South Africa, dude. I love it. Yeah. I, it's yeah. so nice to see because you don't really, like, I'd never seen you in your hometown. And I did. And yeah. it's super special. You come to my hometown here, I can't even get a show in the UK. So you're good. Don't even get, don't <laughs> even get me started, dude. Don't, don't even get me started. <laughs> on that um detroit I think detroit's I, more of a home for me in music wise than it than bristol is yeah it's, yeah exactly um 
look, I think I think for me, South Africa will always be home from a music point of view. Mm. Um, US will always be somewhere that I tour. I've never lived in the US, so I don't think it can feel necessarily like that, like yeah. your home. No, yeah, from that same. sense, yeah, you know. Um, but like, I definitely feel like I've grown the most in the US. One hundred percent, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, it's not even a question. What do you think that is? Why? I don't know, dude. I I don't know what it is about the US. It just feels like I mean, there's a lot of people. There's mm. a lot of markets. Yeah. Um. But I think there's like a there's also a lot of passion behind the way people go out to these events. Like there's a whole, I don't know, man. It's like a whole co- proper culture around it. Whereas mm. in South Africa, it's I mean, it's not really a culture behind this. Yeah. Um. People go out to have fun, you know. Like whereas in in America, it feels like so. I mean, dude, if you just think about like the way people dress up to go to the festivals yeah. and you know like the the whole like the whole thing of pre-partying and after mm. parties and stuff like that like it's so ingrained in the culture there um i think that maybe maybe that's why yeah it's interesting though because like when you talk about the culture i feel like it left america for a long time Maybe. I mean, and I don't have enough. Uh, maybe I don't have enough uh, context because I've only been there since 2018. No, but I think that's when it started to come back in America, really? when it started to build back, because I think it, it was so ingrained into European and British culture, kind of mm. the whole party thing and clubs and like, look at look at how many, how small the UK is and look at how many like iconic venues there are mm. Um, mm. or like new venues popping up, huge parties, like just like warehouse project alone like that's an iconic party every single fucking year yeah no they're they're amazing venues yet dude yeah like print works and where did we go uh tobacco dock tobacco dock yeah 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 like that was an insane venue yeah yeah it was crazy like and realistically you're not really getting those venues in the u.s not not like not like that no Not like that. Um, it would be amazing if there was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, maybe the venues are somewhat different. Like in the UK, it feels like maybe there's more of like character and history around yeah. venues. Whereas in the US, maybe, and I'm not saying this is the general rule because obviously there's like crazy venues in the US, but mm. maybe in general, they're just like vessels for events. Yeah, I've seen um, a few pop up recently. Um, dude, I've played some crazy, dude, like the church in Denver. Yeah. That was that was mental, it's dude. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just one that popped to mind. This, there's, I think it's called the Knockdown Center in New York that I've been that's seeing cool. videos this summer. Cool. And it's like they've got like a courtyard and it's like it looks dope. And there's a place in San Fran that I don't know where it is, but I've seen venues. I've seen videos of it and I'm like, wow, this is this looks amazing. It's like an outside venues kind of thing. Character. Yeah, I think also like I think the one thing we're lucky in Europe is that we're just much older than the States, right? So it's like, mm. there's much more, I don't mean this in a horrible way, but like there's much more history in, in yep. Europe and in the UK. So you have older, like my parents' house is older than America. It's, it's just, <laughs> you just don't, don't get that. If you know what I mean? Um, it's definitely different. Um, yeah. Box of cats. Can we talk about it for a little bit? Yeah, dude. Let's go. Um, why did you... St- First of all, I like always forget that this is your record label. <laughs> and I think I always tell you that I always forget that it's your record label because it's... Yeah. I think because... 
I just see Wongo talking about it and he's like super loud about it. So I just, yeah. I just always think Wongo's is Wongo's. Um, how did that come about and why? So, I mean, dude, I don't even remember why it came, came about, but somehow a conversation started between, you know, a whole bunch of us, me, Wongo, Tom, uh, Jaxi, Mark Spence, I don't know. It was a Facebook message conversation. I don't know who started the idea, but someone was like, let's just start a record label. Um, and in the, in the, in the beginning, it was like, it was a label, but it was a free label. All yeah. the releases were going out for free. That was like the main idea. Like we just basically, there was so much music that we all liked because yeah. we all kind of came from, we all kind of came from that fidget house era. Blockhouse back days. in the yeah. 2000 Blockhouse, like 2007, uh, 8, 9, 10. And there was so much, so many aspects of that music that we liked. It just wasn't, it wasn't coming out on the, it wasn't commercially coming out. It was very hard to find. And we were like, there's stuff out there that we want to, like this, that we want to put out, or like an ev evolution of that sound. Yeah. Let's just start a, a label to get that stuff out. And that's like, that's where it started. And it was free. It was like, let's just put the stuff out. We don't really all have that much time to put into it. So let's just, um, let's just kind of like see what happens. Yeah. And it's crazy, dude. It just like it grew from there into a label that we into a brand that we actually started selling like merchants and shit mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then we were like, well, this has grown so much from where it started. Let's like let's let's get up and be put. Let's let's start getting the stuff for yeah. sale. You know, putting stuff up for sale. And um, yeah, it's just crazy how it grew, dude. Because now I like go to shows and people will be wearing like boxer cats t shirts mm. or boxer cats hats. Mm um yeah it's wild dude i think it's it's so awesome and it's just become like a home for that sort of uh it's a very eclectic sound dude yeah you know like we could put out like a very melodic weird record mm. but then we can put out like a techno record afterwards yeah um it's just like really encompasses the weirder like boomier kind of side of house yeah not like not like booty stuff but like you know bass heavy yeah bass driven stuff yeah I which love was it. all like which was like a, fo a focus in all of our music mm. for the longest time yeah it's and i didn't know all of those people were involved who's who who looks after it now is wongo wongo wongo, wongo drives i right, jeff to blow was the name i forgot um he's also one of the main guys um wongo wongo does a lot of the of the main sort of like uh bulk of the stuff day -day we stuff. have we have hired people uh wongo's wife also uh, also gets involved tash does graphic design um so like it's all it's kept all very like you know in-house mm, as in-house as we can which yeah. is cool dude it's like a it's very like sort of family based in that yeah. sense no i like that have you ever thought about doing a box of cats tour yeah dude <laughs> wongo and i have spoken about it a few times um it's got to be it's got to be right though dude yeah it's got to it's got to tick a lot of the boxes and it's it's kind of been it's been a little bit tricky to line up just for various reasons but like also it has to be planned pretty far in advance if you yeah. think about it because it has to work with multiple artists mm -hmm. but also uh you know there can't be any cl clashes the radius stuff and um what we we're talking about earlier about saturating markets and stuff yeah. you, you have to make sure that you're not doing any of that stuff so yeah it's a bit more tricky to do it like that but if you plan it far in advance 
it could definitely work. So yeah, we have been talking about it. It's just a case of actually making it happen. You could do some like cool, like day party shit in the summer. Like Dude. something that's like kind of takes it away Loki. from, takes it away from like interrupting your shows and Wongo shows and anybody else's shows. You can do like special, like maybe like you do almost like what Dirty Bird, kind of how they started the in Dirty the Bird park, barbecue. Yeah. Like it was like you do two shows a year and like everyone just knows that that's it yeah. happens on the same day or in the same month yeah. and it doesn't really affect anything else yeah it's cool i mean we could 100 percent do something like that i think we've built up like quite a quite a nice strong yeah following you know and people people are really into the whole vibe of the of the label so it's definitely an, it's definitely an opportunity it's really interesting that you're all from different countries as well yeah and uh, like cut so so when it started it was south africa uk netherlands australia australia yeah and now is and now it's australia uk well i mean yeah like yeah some some of the original founders are more involved than others but yeah. it's mainly it'll be mainly like uk and australia so i'm yeah. mainly australia yeah. but it is the most successful in the us just connected with people in the us the mm. most the us man just amazes yeah. me amazes me it, it is dude it's, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome spot to play yeah yeah we're lucky we're lucky do you find it hard to play in other places because of that though so dude i honestly i <laughs> the main places that i play are north america south america and occasionally australia and then yeah. obviously south africa mm. um i haven't I haven't ever really toured in europe but it depends dude i mean really it depends on the show so i went to i went to uh, south america about a, a month and a half ago maybe yeah uh just for a weekend and i played like very different shows right mm. within that weekend right i played an, an insane show at a club called uh, amy i don't know how, how you pronounce it but it's amy club in just outside of i want to say it's just outside of sao paulo but i'm yeah. not 100 sure where it was um but it was it was fucking crazy dude it yeah. was it was like america level on steroids but then the night before i had played like another venue which was totally the opposite dude it was mm. like a more like a bar yeah um and then the last venue was like a 20 or fifteen thousand people festival wow. so it really depends dude like i think it's just you have to be aware that like the markets are different dude so yeah. your expectations should just be kind of like managed in that sense mm. Yeah, I think for me, like at this moment in time, touring a little bit more in Europe, it's like I I don't go in with any expectations it, and I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Just like yeah. playing. Just in, enjoy the moment, really. Yeah, it's like I know none of these people know who I am, but that's the fun of it because it, <laughs> I can just play what I want and just yeah. maybe win some people over. Maybe they yeah. find out my name. And yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's it. I, like on the weekend just gone, I played um, in Madrid, insane club, a place called Fabric. And they changed all the set times around because one of the DJs was super sick, so I couldn't make it. So I was playing at a different time and I got tagged in posts of a different DJ of my original time because they thought it was me playing because of the, the times and i'm like it wasn't me playing but this this is the thing i love about it because they actually don't know who i am and yeah. it's like 
really there's zero for me there's zero pressure yeah. like there's zero pressure about selling tickets there's zero pressure mm. about like pleasing fans with playing certain records like yeah it's literally i'm going in and i've got to play the best set of my life to win some of these people over so they go and fight try and find out who i am mm. Mm. and i love that well i mean that, that goes back to probably one of the reasons why you got into it was just to have fun in that moment you don't enjoy that that part of the art so yeah. it's cool because yeah like you said it takes the pressure away and you can actually just enjoy the moments yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's special man special um that's awesome your career just amazes me as well because you do i feel like you do everything very differently to most people um and i really like this it's yeah. really interesting to me uh I want to talk about management because I don't think you've ever had a manager, a, a, a specific manager, no. which I really I respect. A minority. Yeah, I really like this. Um, what What was the reasoning behind this? Because you could go get a manager tomorrow if you wanted. Yeah, I could. I could get a manager. Um, and I have been, I have been, you know, I have had discussions with management, um, people who have been interested in stuff, um, as well as with my booking agents. It's just a decision that I made, dude. I mean, I've been doing this long enough, it feels, to kind of like know what I want. Yeah. Um, I think it started because, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to travel all the time. Like I didn't want to live on the road. And I know that like, you know, a lot of managers you know, a lot of managers want you to be working, yeah. right? Um, and I don't want someone giving me all these opportunities and putting them to me and, and me going like, no, not really, because I don't want to travel that much. And, yeah. you know, life, like I, I, I have my priorities. I know what I want, you know, for, for in my, with my with regards to my priorities. Mm. And often with management, that doesn't necessarily line up that well. Yeah. Right. Because they just like, they see a, they see like a cash cow and they, and they want to milk it. Yeah. Um, but also like, I just like the freedom of being able to kind of like make my own decisions. I think there are obviously pros and cons to it, 100%. Like yeah. I don't necessarily have the same, I can't make use of someone's connections mm -hmm. as much, right? Because like management, obviously they, they built, they've built like entire career around knowing people and building yeah. a network and stuff. So, but really so have I, Yeah. you think about it, you know, I've built those connections personally as opposed to through a manager. I totally agree. And I think to a certain extent, like a manager, there's a huge importance to managers to a certain extent, but there especially is. at the beginning of your career, like you don't need a manager at all. Like, I don't think so. Like even, even for me, like let's say for instance with me and Ryan, like Ryan, when it comes to the music side of things, Ryan has really nothing to do with signing my records or anything like that. It's literally, that's all mm. me. That's all connections through myself. And I think yeah. if you're go if you're taking on a manager to get your record signed, I don't think you should ever do that personally. I think it's, it's a personal relationship between you and the, the label owner. Maybe yeah. unless you're doing a, a major deal. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you enjoy... Do you enjoy not having a manager? I guess you don't know anything different. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what I do enjoy. I enjoy the freedom of, you know, making my own choices. Yeah. 
um, and not having the pressure of someone breathing down your neck and making you, I mean, I'm not saying the managers do this, but you know, you inherently, even if it's like, you know, unconscious or subconsciously feeling an extra level of pressure because you being, you being, you this pressure is put on by the fact that you have a manager and Mm. now there's someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like having the freedom of, of making those decisions myself. No, I like that. I think, mm. yeah, for me, I've always had managers. Um, yeah. I mean, dude, I, I see like artists who are just starting out who have managers. Yeah. And I mean, it's up to you, dude. Uh, obviously there's the, if you're willing, if you're willing to take the, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a personal choice, but it's also like a, a balancing act, right? Like if you want to take the financial knock, um, because that manager can add value yeah, and that's the way that you want to run it. And maybe like, you're just not that good at organizing shit and you mm. can't wake up on time and you miss your flights and stuff, you know, like maybe, maybe that's the case and you need a manager to keep you in check. Like hundred percent is different yeah. for everyone. Um, for me, it just, it just didn't feel like I needed that. Like I'm quite a responsible person and I'm quite good with like time management. I mean, apart from the fact that I fucking procrastinate like a <laughs> bitch, um, if I guess if, if they're saying it needs to get done, like I'll get it done, get done whether yeah. it's done like two weeks before or at the 11th hour, like it's going to get done. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite responsible in that sense. And I think that's why also I don't like party hard or anything like mm. that. I don't, I don't drink a lot. Yeah. Um, either. So yeah. Yeah. i I agree with you on that. I think for me, it's like, I've always been super hands-on in the kind of management relationship. So for me over the years of having managers i've always looked at them as kind of like they should be doing this for me and they should be doing that for me Mm. however until i started working with ryan like it's it's completely changed my perspective on what a manager should be doing and shouldn't be doing and Mm. what an artist should be doing and realistically like it's just add to the team it's not it's not like shoulds or shouldn'ts yes they technically you they technically work for you because you pay them right but realistically it's like they're just another part of me Mm. and Mm. two of us can do a job rather than one of us doing a job that's kind of how i look at it now that's the that's the pro i think of finding the right manager and having like the right person with you it's it just adds adds to the whole um it adds to you as an artist really yeah take a lot of the it take a, i mean maybe one of the one of the biggest advantages also is taking a bit of time out of like the admin stuff that i was talking about earlier you know you don't have to necessarily worry about that so much so you're able to put more time into the music and, yeah and stuff like that which that is pretty pretty fucking important but once again if you just if you if you're good at you know time management and you and you're clever about that stuff you can you can get the same results yeah but um, I 100% agree with you. Like, if you find the right person who feels like, like you, you know, two puzzle pieces that fit together, yeah. Um, then, then it works, dude. No, 100%. I agree. I agree, man. I agree. Yeah. What have you got coming up, music-wise? So music's in a dude. Music's in a weird place at the moment. I have I have a lot of stuff. Obviously, I've been working on the album that I yeah. spoke about earlier. Um, that's more of like a body of work. So. I'm kind of like test driving those tracks out like in different stages of completion and, and kind of tweaking them and everything. But 
with the other stuff, we're in a bit of a weird time, dude, to be honest. We re, we re-recording a vocal. We've, we're, in, we're in some clearance issues at the moment, dude, yeah. to be honest. So <laughs> The worst. I hate it, dude. Um, Samples I know, are the worst. I know you have some, <laughs> yeah, you've been through some of those. But uh, yeah, we, we... I can't really say the labels, but we, we were re-recording a vocal for a track, which I've been playing out for a while. It's, it's working like really fucking well, but we just, we have to... We have to sort out the the, the sample. Someone actually um, hit me up for that record the other day. A DJ. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a DJ was like, I've been hearing this record everywhere. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, well, that's good. There, there's another one, though. Not the one you're thinking of. There's another one, which is a, like original. Um, but anyway, we, we, we re-recording for that. There's that. Uh, I'm shopping something else out now, which I was just working on, like, before we jumped on the, on the call. Mm. Um, so at the moment, there's, like, a lot of music uh that i've been playing and that's finished um but we're just trying to f- nail down yeah the the release dates and stuff so it's weird dude it feels like very much in limbo at the moment which is kind of like a bit frustrating yeah but you just need it feels one, like very close you almost just so, need one to to be locked in and then everything else kind of falls we we falls we're together. really close dude i'm getting a vocal today so hopefully one oh, sick hopefully one we can we can nail now but um, yeah, it's weird. It's because I, I usually worked. I've usually worked like six months in advance, eight months in advance. Um, yeah. So it's kind of weird to be in a position where it's not as organized. But yeah, we'll we'll be nailing stuff down shortly. Yeah, for me, it's kind of stressful when the things aren't locked in. And it is. How do you find that when you're like promoting music when it's like more last minute? Do you do you not feel as confident in the release? Dude, I've I've had tracks, not really. I've learned over the course of the years to not have that many ex- that, that like expectations because mm. I've worked for weeks like promoting a record and it's kind of like not really done that well. But mm. then I've had, and some have done really well. And then I've had records where I'm like, oh, I can I finish this as a B side, um, and a, and it gets signed and it like fucking does twelve million plays. Yeah. Um, so I've really learned not to try and expect too much. I think like having the expectations, you're almost setting yourself up for disappointment. Like, I I'd wish I just, could do that. <laughs> do that. It's, it's hard, but I mean, like I'll just put the record out and if it does well, amazing. If it, it doesn't do well, fucking whatever. Like there's another record coming out in a, a couple of weeks or a month yeah. or two months that, that might do better. Um, what is, what is, what is the record you're proud of? Sorry, say that again. I say as long as you're proud of like what the product, what yeah. the end product is of each record. Yeah. What is now in Kyle Watson's head? What is a record doing well? Great reactions at shows. Mm. Um, even if people don't know it, mm. I think like that's just a great indication of, of a good record. Um, and then obviously just you know lots of streams. Yeah. Beatport's, Beatport's important. I place kind of a little bit less focus on it nowadays, but it is important to know as an indicator of like how many people are playing it. Mm. You know, you don't get a you don't get an indication of how many people are playing the record just from like Spotify stats or whatever. Mm. But on Beatport, you do because people have had to buy that DJ friendly record to yeah. play it. So I think like at the end of the day, that is always going to be like a strong indicator of how well it's doing within like the the industry yeah but i want to see it do well on beatport but i also want to see it doing well and connecting with like people on streaming sites Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Does do you look at radio at all? It does radio ever even get radio involved used in- to be used to be a focus for me in South Africa, mm. but it was obviously like very focused to just that market. Um, I haven't placed as much focus on it here in the UK, but I really. I really should. Like we've been mm. speaking about it a little bit more and trying to connect with some of the DJs and stuff yet. Um, but yeah, I don't place as much focus on it as I probably should. The US, I mean, obviously, like having it played in in like the syndicated shows yeah. and stuff, that's that's quite important because I mean, like obviously, if Diplo picks up something to play in his revolution or um, Heldens, yeah, yeah, you know those guys. Obviously, that's that's great because I mean, then it puts a record out in front of more people. Mm. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Radio in the US is weird, isn't it? Doesn't really. It's it's not really. They don't really have a radio in for like electronic music so much. Not not really. I mean, that's why the show. That's why the shows and stuff are important. Like yeah. the curated shows, the DJs, yeah. producer stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's weird promoting a record, especially like. Do you send your records to your mates? Is there like a group of people that you send your records to? Or is there like a point where like your records just sound so much like you that you're just like, well, no one's going to play this, play this. So no, no. So I go through stages, dude. I sometimes I blast to producers. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe, maybe you'll like this. Sometimes I just don't even get there, bro. I just don't fucking do it. Um, and I just let the record go out, but I do have like a, I do have like a little, list of of artists to send stuff to mm. unfortunately i only really send stuff to them like 25 percent of the time yeah um it's funny isn't it how we are as artists uh, <laughs> i do i do sense i do send stuff to a very small amount of people yeah um if i think that it's something that they would play and they're involved in like a target label or yeah, whatever yeah. i will send them like a copy and be like do you like this would you yeah. play it um and at the moment, two of the records which we're working at, at are being played out by by big artists mm. um, a lot, and they're getting like they get like people are videoing them and stuff. Mm. So it, I don't think you can discount the importance of that. Yeah, it's so important. So yeah. important. It's it's, uh, it's important for the. My agent actually said it to me. It's like the buzz, really. It's like that's. It's not the overt stuff. It's like the it's like the tracks that people are going like fuck. I always hear like. Mm-hmm. X or Y was yep. playing this record like what the fuck is this you know yeah. and it starts like working its way through yeah underneath before like coming up to the surface um I think it's important for that like that buzz I agree they're the best records if I'm honest with you like for yeah. me anyway like they're the records that you play for a year before it mm. comes out and other people are playing it and yeah. it's regularly in their sets yeah. And then people start asking and asking and asking, and then they find out that it's yours, and then yeah, then it comes organic. out organic. Yeah, it's super important that. But it, I also organic growth. I also find it's always it's not like it doesn't always work like that, and Mm-mm. it can't always work like that. There's so many like I guess for it for classics like talking to Chris Lake, the, the, the like turn off your lights, turn off the lights record, or what I think that's mm. what it's called. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think any DJs were playing that at all. And it's his mm. biggest record. And he, it's mm. everyone loves that record when he plays it, if you know what I mean. 
but are other people yeah, playing it's a huge it. fucking huge record yeah but yeah, I, I used to play it all the time yeah like but i remember him talking about it and he was like worried about releasing it because it was uh. like not what you'd expect yeah it's dude that that's 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 the intricacies of this business so this yeah. industry dude it's like you literally don't know like exactly what i was saying earlier about you know writing a b-side and mm. and then someone signing it and it's going like and it doing really really well like the tracks literally more often than not the tracks that really you expect the least out of give the most back yeah it's weird dude because i don't know if it's like a human nature thing or maybe i'm just not not fucking that good at like judging my art or something <laughs> but but like that it's weird dude it's it seemed like a pattern at least through my own like through my own experience that more often than not the records which you were like yeah this is cool like we should just put it out or whatever yeah um are the ones that like are the, are the tracks that you play for like three four years mm. in your sets yeah it's so weird yeah it's just I'm, I'm not i'm not sure if that's like maybe just me or other artists but that's what it's felt like to me yeah going back to your tour um how is it when you're just playing your own records in a set i mean i i really dig it dude. yeah i play i play a set mostly of my own stuff yeah anyway like it's very much a mixture of like my stuff you know and, and of that most or some that people know some that are that people don't mm. more often more now that people don't because uh just of the amount of stuff i have sitting around mm. um and like box of cats promos and box of cats pre-release stuff and then a small amounts of tracks that are out that people might know that mostly the people might not yeah um but i i really enjoy that playing playing my own stuff out i mean i try and i try and remember that like maybe not so much a festival i mean obviously a festival is important because you have to play like all your biggest records mm -hmm. but like clubs and stuff people have bought the tickets because they like your music mm -hmm. um so you really want to like you want to make sure like dude, at, at the end of the day like a dj's job is just make sure everyone had a good time so yeah. like a lot of people came out because oh they're like you boy or oh, they're, they're like sides or yeah. the ratchet express or le my level or whatever um so you want to like tick as many of those boxes for people um on the night but at the same time you obviously also want to introduce them to you know what's coming up yeah, yeah. so you package it all together into this uh into this set which is cool because if it's like mostly your stuff you're able to like you you get that feedback straight mm. away like our oh, people are really feeling this or oh, oh, this track's getting a bit old now like maybe yeah. i should retire kind of thing so i do kind of like that Nah, no i think being able to play your music is it makes you more unique as a as a dj and mm. although there's so much music out there to find in on beatport and bandcamp and all of those other places but like no one else is playing those records that yeah. you've not released. So it's only, 100%. it's only you and they can only see you play that record. There's a, there's a hundred percent. There's a, there's a, there's a time, there's a time for a set full of music that you've dug yeah. way deep to find of others. There's times, there's moments for those sets, but there's also moments for, you know, for you to showcase like what you have spent yeah like the fucking 15 years building up and that that's what my machines really is i mean it's 15 years worth of music yeah 
and growth and stuff. Um, and what I like about it the most is the fact that the way that the way that I put it together, it doesn't feel necessarily like some of the records are as old as they are. Mm, yeah. Um, even though the style has changed and and like obviously everything has evolved and the music's gotten like technically much better than what it was 15 years ago. Um, the ideas and stuff still work somehow. Yeah. Like you can still play like newer stuff mm. and find a way to transition to something that's like much lower energy, yeah. but that still sonically fits, you yeah. know, and then move up again after that. Um, and I mean, over the years I've, I've made like a lot of bootlegs and edits and things, which just literally never came out. Yeah. Um, which get great reactions and stuff and records that I was like not necessarily commissioned for remixes that I, that I was commissioned for that I turned into something that was my style, but yeah. like the label was like, Oh, we're not looking for something like this. Well, yeah. well, fuck you. I'm going to play it out anyway. Yeah. And like those records have connected with people, even though they haven't come out. So mm. it's like an opportunity for people to come and see Kyle Watson, maybe the Kyle Watson that they know, but also a lot that they didn't like yeah. if people only if people only picked up from like road trips on or mm. even more recently dude like something in 2020 if they picked up from there there's like a whole catalog of stuff from before that they probably will be into yeah i just don't know it yet yeah i love that concept because it's almost like a live show right mm. rather than but you're just djing yeah That's it's it's djing but it's like a it's not one of those sets. It's it's different to a normal set. It's yeah. not one of those sets where you've built a track a, a playlist and you you vibing out like what to play. Yeah. It's like it's more it's more curated than that. It's like a it's like a sort of a story. Yeah. You know, it starts somewhere. It, it you know it, it takes you to the end through mm. the ups and downs. And I think the thing is, is, you know the music better than anybody else. So it's like mm. it's not like oh, is this record gonna work? like yeah it's like no i know i know every second of this record when this is going to happen and when that's going to happen and yeah. when i need to mix out and when i can put yeah. this in a set is it may yeah. i i really respect it it's really it's really yeah. really interesting yeah, um man. thank you we've just done an hour and 45 minutes we should probably wrap this up because we're <laughs> both gonna roast in these rooms um <laughs> before we go how can people get tickets for the tour all right, tickets, carlwassonmusic.com slash events. Um, they're all there. Um, the full flyer is on my Instagram. All the socials, Carlwasson Music everywhere. Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah. Sick. And how can people sign up to your Patreon? My man. Uh, Patreon.com slash Carlwasson Music. Uh, there's three tiers, four tiers, I think. Uh, supporter. Awesome, awesomer, double awesomer, different ranges. <laughs> Didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the names. <laughs> uh, the, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, all the info is on there. Uh, sign up if there's there's so much content on there now. It's, it's actually crazy. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Dude, it's been actually really nice to finally do this. We've been talking about this for fucking ages. So Dude. thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's always a blast talking to you. Likewise, You're actually man. quite a nice guy. So yeah. I, I try, I guess. Funny, <laughs> funny thing, dude, just coming back from the US this past weekend, like I, I forgot my um <laughs> I forgot my beard trimmer. 
uh tess was like you're gonna look like wolves dude <laughs> literally i shaved i literally shaved this morning we were joking about it as well. I, kept it on. I needed to shave dude my mustache i don't know how like dom dollar i don't know how he does it dude that thing is it's so fucking itchy man it just drives me crazy was it long was it getting long for me dude it was like you know and it starts getting messy and sticking out like different angles yeah like, it was a lot bro yeah, I need to actually trim this a little bit because it's... Yeah, you've got to get like the... It's slowly starting to go into the lips. But when I used to... I used to curl it, like, yeah. and it was long. Like, I could um, literally, like, pull it out here. It was long. <laughs> yeah, I was worried people were going to start calling me... Dom. Wool, dude. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, good, I love you, man. Times. Say hi to Tash, and I'll catch you soon. Big love. we Will do. Big love, bro. Take it easy. Peace. Peace out. And that is a wrap. Uh, we are done. Thank you for Carl for coming on. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Please hit subscribe. Please share it with everyone. Um, thank you so much for listening. It means the world. Till next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.